I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. My guest today is one of those that have so much depth that every time you spend more minutes with uh, her, you realize that there is so much more to her. She is a Chinese medicine practitioner. That's the big title, if you want, a healer, a teacher, an influencer. She, she was chosen by Women's Wellness as the commentator and mentor. She has more than 20 years of clinical experience, but she's also the founder of an award-winning lifestyle brand, Hey You. She has the UK's leading Qigong uh, platform, Hey You Fit, which is basically a virtual clinic, and she's the best-selling author of Young Shink. Now, now, Katie Brindle would blow you away by the amount of knowledge and experience she brings to her field, but would blow you away by the kind of impact that she had because of that uh, knowledge. And then, as I said, layers after layers, you'd be blown away by why she does all of it. And I think people who change the world normally don't do it by coincidence. They do it because they have a drive, a very uh, strong conviction in them that the world can be slightly different and slightly better. I could go on to introduce all of the awards and all of the magazines and you know media that covered Katie from the Mail on Sunday to Hello Magazine to Times to The Telegraph and so on. But I'd rather have the time invested in getting to know what it is that she does and why is it that she does it. I will make a disclaimer before we start. I have no idea. Like I'm the absolute total beginner, totally ignorant about everything that Katie is uh, an expert on. So I think you're going to be in for a, a very interesting conversation because I have a ton of curiosity to learn what it is that she knows. Katie Brendel. Katie, I, I am truly and honestly blown away. I think we just got to know each other a little bit and it seems to me that I will not get to meet another KT for a long time. <laughs> That's what my parents used to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there is, I don't know what's the right word, there is an unwavering drive in you to see the world right. And I find that quite remarkable, honestly, quite commendable, if you ask me. Mm. When in reality, I think our world has a lot of wrong. And I want to start from my experience in Chinese medicine, which is an area you know really well. I find it almost stupid, if you ask me, why I would wait for my car to break before I go fix it, right? And I think from a philosophy point of view, Chinese medicine was around all around, don't let the car break, don't let your body break. Mm. And if you take good care of it, you know, you service it properly mm. if you want, you'll be fine. At least you're much more likely to be fine for a very long time. The trick, though, is that this seems to not be the way that Western medicine or general medicine 
uh, is motivated to play, or at least it's not the way it's been designed. Is that something that you share? Is that something that you believe is is also stupid as much as I believe it's stupid? I think the first thing is with Chinese medicine is there's a world of proverbs in Chinese medicine, like thousands of them, and I love them all. But one of the most famous ones is don't dig a well when you're thirsty. <laughs> basically okay. means you know you're going to be thirsty, make sure you've got a water supply, therefore no problem. And that applies to their healthcare, to the traditional healthcare system. So this is what I talk about is classical Chinese medicine. This is pre-cultural revolution, sort of Taoist philosophy type thing. Things have been through quite an interesting journey in the last um, hundred odd years. But the original, or the, the origin of all of this has come from prevention, not cure. Um, now, interestingly, as a Chinese practitioner for many years, quite the opposite is what people would say to me in clinic, which would be, they'd come to me as a last resort. And the quote would be, I tried everything and my friend says, why don't you try? <laughs> That's interesting, actually. I hear that a lot. Oh, it's like, yeah. every, single, every single client. And I would sort of sit there thinking, okay, so there was a whole load of things wrong with that. Now, obviously, my job is to help people. So I'll help people in whatever stages of dis-ease they are feeling. But wouldn't it be nice if we could get there before it started, like with our teeth, whereby we brush them every day and we see the hygienist and we see the dentist for a checkup and then we're nipping everything in the bud. So wouldn't it be great if we could just get things back to how they were supposed to be, which is this other expression that people know from Chinese medicine, which is what they say, which is, isn't it true that Chinese doctors used to, you used to pay them to keep you well and then if you got sick, they'd have to treat you for free? And sort of people say, isn't that true? Isn't that true? So there's these sort of zeitgeisty things that we somehow seem to have, we know, we're not really quite sure why or from what, that actually I thought this is where we need to get things back. Um, not to mention the fact that in the UK, we have the privilege of a free healthcare system, which ultimately means that when you are practicing outside of that system, you have to charge. And there's a resistance to that, not only because some people can't afford it, but the people that can afford it often haven't got time to go or they're on holiday or COVID strikes and no one can do anything. So everything, it makes it extremely difficult for you as the acupuncturist to sort of pick up this last resort position that we've sort of inherited to a relatively small demographic of people who have got the time and the money to pay for your services. Mm. So I sat back one day after hours and hours in clinic and thought, do you know what? I need to just straighten this out. This is a muddle. It sort of works, but not really. So let's just get everything back to how it's supposed to be, which is prevention, not cure. Mm. And I'm not fighting anyone. I'm not contradicting Western medicine. I'm not, I'm not challenging the status quo. I'm just over here helping people help themselves like, like a toothbrush. Mm. I, th I think the analogy of a toothbrush is actually quite, quite eye-opening because you didn't say it, but that's what I heard. You're basically saying some people will choose to not brush their teeth and then go to the dentist every four months to fix what's wrong. Mm. And others will actually, you know, take care of their teeth. And so accordingly, hopefully, they won't need to go to the dentist with all of the pain that this causes. And this seems to be the two paradigms, really. One, one of them is saying, take care of yourself so that you don't get sick. Mm. While the other is saying, hey, when you're sick, we'll patch you up and you'll be up and running again. Well, the thing is, in the 21st century, we've got the privilege of both. Mm. And this is great. Mm. I mean, how fantastic is that? So you just think... Well, the existing system is there to fix it once it's broken. Nobody goes to the GP saying, I want to prevent having headaches. That's like elephant powder. It's like, well, <laughs> that's ridiculous. So, um, but on the other hand, you equally wouldn't go to the GP if you'd had one headache or a bad night's sleep 
or you know an itchy skin for for 15 minutes that would be a waste of gp time and they're overstretched as it is but what we want is the equivalent of the sort of the over-the-counter pharmacy type scenario where you go to the pharmacy and there's a whole range of really useful things with an expert standing there going ah try this, try this, try that, before you go to the GP. And the thing is, we've inherited a sort of pharmaceutical-based healthcare system. Um, and really what Chinese medicine offers you is an incredible cornucopia of other things that you can use that aren't just based on pharmaceuticals. It's there, but there's other stuff too, like breath or stretching or knowledge or your mind, which is the greatest healing tool that we have available to us if we open it up. So there's all these incredible things that are out there for us that we can use, which lots of which are free and lots of which, like the toothbrushing model, only take a couple of minutes a day if you know what you're doing, and they work. I think you're actually really shaking me here because <laughs> honestly, I don't, I've never really put in the effort. I, I go to a Chinese practitioner mm. every now and then, believe it or not, like a last resort, mm. right? And then it works, like almost every single well, time. Yeah, it's yeah? stuff. It really is. I mean, uh, acupuncture is just, you don't know why it works, but it does, right? All of those energy meridians and what you, you know, they push here and then that you feel it there and all of that stuff. It's like really, really, there is something there. Oh, there's a lot there. I mean, obviously it took me five years to qualify as an acupuncturist because I did two degrees, not one, because I was kind of, there's, there's so much to disseminate, to cut through sort of to the quintessence of what this is all about. Mm. And really it's interesting. You've just said, you know, we don't really know what they're doing. And I think, yeah, that's another thing that happens. So then what you do is when you get the people that come to see you and they, and it works, well, it does work. So they, they, they come back because it works. Then you get these people that go, oh, I can't live without Katie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'm just going to carry on yeah. living my bonkers life. And Katie will fit in the words of Chris Martin, <laughs> will fix me. Um, and Katie does, and Katie yeah. can, and so can all the other brilliant acupuncturists out there. But the onus is not on you lying there going, I've come because I've got anxiety and she stuck a load of needles in my leg. I've no idea why, but I don't care because it kind of works and that's that. That's handing over sovereignty mm. of your unique self. And all I want to do in this world is make people well. That's my only intention in this life. I, there's no point in me living this life if that's not what I'm doing. So my healing power is strong because my intention to heal is, is paramount, but I'm not living your life. I can't live your life for you. You are living your life 24-7. So what we want to do is start at the beginning of the journey, which is look after yourself. We feed ourselves, we brush our teeth, we brush our hair, we're hygienic, we, we wash, we shower, we change our clothes. These are sort of basic things that we do. So now what we need to do in the 21st century is just go back a little bit to a slightly more expanded repertoire of what we need to do on a daily basis with full understanding as to why. And I say this in my clinic all the time, 50% of the solution is understanding what the problem is in the first place. And totally. you just said it, people are blind. They're like, I don't know why I'm ill. So I go and see this person and they fix me and everything's great again. It's like, well, don't you want to know why you're ill? Don't you want to know what they're doing? Don't you want to know which meridian they're, they're working on? And I mean, don't you want to know? Isn't it interesting? I mean, it is, because it's your body. Mm. And your body is the house of your spirit. And it's the meaning of life and it's all terribly interesting. And I'm like, there's nothing more interesting to watch like or, or know. So let's get talking about it, which is what I decided to do. Yeah, so, so, so Hey You Fit is about that. It's not about you fixing me when I'm ill. It's about you 
telling me how not to be ill. Is that correct? Uh, not quite. So the idea is, is that the thing is, Chinese medicine is such a vast subject. Um, and by the way, by no means am I ever putting myself out there saying that I know it all, because I say this to my ladies all the time and my gentlemen ladies, which is what you are, um, that I'm not the Dalai Lama. Okay, I'm Katie from North London, and I'm very grounded about my origins. I'm not Chinese, I'm British, and I I, I come from North London. I come from a very modest middle-class family, but I've discovered something brilliant and I understand what it's like to be living in the West under the incredible intensity that we're all under Yeah, right absolutely. Right. So the idea of the brand is for me to represent as best I can Chinese medicine to a society that I believe need it more desperately than they could ever possibly have understood until they started. So I, I divided it into what I call an ecosystem. So because there's otherwise too much at once. So you start with me because I can explain to you what the problem is. So I can give you why. And once you've understood why, then it's like the next question is, ah, OK, I understand why. OK, what do I now need to do? Ah, well, then there's two aspects to that. There are tools simple tools that you can do on a daily basis, like the toothbrush, like toothpaste, like dental floss, which sits over on Heyu. And then there are techniques, which is more like physical therapy, mm. which is what the Qigong is. So the, and I explain everything every step of the way anyway. So everything's got loads of explanations with it, with me buzzing and whirring on every single social platform you can imagine, getting terribly animated and excited about <laughs> the reason why you've got a headache or why you've got psoriasis and what you can do about it for yourself. And then really what I set about doing was layering it. Because again, it's such a vast subject. It's like, where do you start? Like, yeah. you know, and people wanted me to kind of corner myself because we have a, a, a press system in this country where they want the latest, latest, latest. And you need to be niche. You need to be the, the gua sha guru or the headache or the menopause doctor or the, I don't know, the skin doctor or the pimple popper or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> well, hang on. Can't I just be like the everything person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right. No, you can't. <laughs> no, well, I can because I call myself what I am, which is a healer. And traditionally, healers deal with everything. Chinese doctors do. I mean, if someone comes to my clinic, if you'd come to me with headaches, mm. and I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't do headaches. <laughs> you'd be really annoyed. That's a headache. <laughs> you'd be like, that's really annoying. <laughs> what do you mean you don't do, oh, I do skin? I'm sorry, I only do skin. It's like, yeah, but everyone says you're really brilliant. It's like, well, I'm not brilliant, but Chinese medicine is. But the point is, is that actually the world needs a generalist, which is really what I, which is what I do. And then from the beginning of that first layer, we can then take you deeper and deeper, depending how far you wish to go. And if actually all you want to commit to yourself is a couple of minutes a day, because that's all you, you've got time for, then we'll, we'll do that. That will make a massive difference. And some of my ladies will go all the way through to, you know, an hour and a half a day. Wow. Because they want to and they can. Or they've even gone on to train to become their own versions of what they loved about me in the first place, which is fantastic. And they're now fully, like, their entire life is dedicated to it because they've now become teachers. And I call them the patients who became practitioners. And there's lots of them. So hold on, because this seems to be infectious right now. Yeah, yes, right? it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am, so, like, so, I am so, like a virus. <laughs> so, so, so how did you get yourself into this in the first place? Being from North London, honestly not looking Chinese at all. No, I don't know Chinese. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that you're really, really deep into this to the point that you've studied it several times from several angles, from several practices and so on. Where did that all start? It started from pain. Oof, which like always. Which is where all healing journeys tend to become. There's, as I say to my, my community, there are two ways people engage with what I do, inspiration or desperation. Now, I entered with desperation, 
And I have been systematically inspired and desperate over the years in different ways, depending <laughs> on what's been going on in my life. And every single time this incredible heritage has reached out its hand and held me. And that's why I wish to serve it back, because it is so helpful. It will give you everything that you need to know, all the way through to the meaning of life, the meaning of death, the meaning of existence, the meaning of illness, the meaning of spirituality, what's wrong with the world, what needs for the whole lot. Now, where did it start? Well, um, I was going to be an opera singer. I was severely dyslexic and dyspraxic. I still am. It's a disaster. Um, because when you're living in this world, that is not easy. But I was. And my mother, who had had a terrible education, was absolutely adamant that her two daughters were going to get a good education. And she sent me off to this very, very intense North London school, which is really academic, a brilliant school, but a disaster for me. Mm. Because in the 1970s, no one knew what dyslexia was. So mm. they just thought I was stupid. Um, and I have this highly intelligent sister who was just sort of went off to Cambridge. And then there was me, the sort of like the runt of the litter. But given that, I was good at singing. And because I was in those schools whereby you needed to create some sort of identity for yourself, I became the singer. That's mm. what I did. And that's all I could do. So that was my career choice. But sadly, or happily, in fact, just before I was about to start music college, I had a car accident. And that was the end of my singing. And in fact, that was a bit of a sort of crash of my life because that was the end of everything. Because I couldn't sing, I couldn't speak, I couldn't sit up, um, I couldn't earn money. Couldn't do everything. I lost everything. I lost my vocation. I lost my place at music college. I couldn't work, so I couldn't afford any money. So I did what most people do when they get sick, which is I went to the GP because that's what you do and it's free. Uh, I've got really bad whiplash and I can't move my neck. Oh, you need to go to the pain clinic. Great. Okay, when can I go? Oh, you've got to wait three months. Oh, okay, so I had to wait. Eventually I go there. It didn't, and, and yes, these things often do work for people. They do. And that's great when they do, but when they don't, which was what happened to me, um, I then spent the next six years moving from pillar to post, desperately trying to find someone to fix the agony of my neck um, and not really being able to afford anything. So therefore having to work to pay for these costs of private practitioners, which were up to £100 an hour, when you can't really earn much more than the minimum wage because I couldn't sit upright for more than about 20 minutes at a time. Oh, wow. So... I then did what most people do, which is enter into the sort of smorgasbord of alternative therapy, not really understanding what the problem was, why I couldn't fix it, why it hurt so much, and eventually, like most people, getting used to the pain and lumping it and just moving on with my life and just dealing with it, which is what most people do. Until one amazing day when I was walking up the Edgware High Street with my mother. We'd been to Sainsbury's in the pre-days when you had to lug your shopping to the car. And I was <laughs> carrying this shopping bag and my shoulder was hurting so much. We walked past a TCM clinic on the high street that had a sign in the window saying 10 minutes of massage for £10. And like most people, didn't really know much about Chinese medicine, thought it all looked a bit odd. But I was so desperate. I thought, I actually don't care what they do. I literally don't care. It's, I'm in so much pain. I, they can literally cut my arm off because it's so bad. Um, and it so happened that the doctor inside happened to be the most incredibly highly qualified Chinese doctor. And he performed 10 minutes of body gua sha on my shoulder, which is using a metal rounded edge tool, which I now sell. And did this technique on my shoulder, which felt hugely pleasurable for 10 minutes. And the pain went for the first time in years. And I couldn't believe it. And I cried my eyes out in frustration and happiness and joy. And 
I walked out a changed person and I thought, I've just found my vocation. It was never even singing, it was healing. But no one knew that a healer was even a thing because this was sort of the turn of the 20th century and healers, who's a healer in the 20th, you know, who? And I had this total epiphany and that was it. And that was the beginning of the rest of my life. And I came into my flow and the rest is history. How does something so obvious have not been offered for you before? How is that even possible? I know. Well, and it still goes on to this day. How many years were you in pain? I was a roughly 22 and I was roughly 28. So what's that? Six years. Six, Six years of pain. Yeah, excruciating. And then 10 minutes. 10 minutes. It was horrendous. And I wish, because of course no iPhones in those days, I wish I'd had an iPhone to take a photo of what my back looked like. And that is why body gua sha wasn't done. Okay, because basically what happens with gua sha is it brings the bruising or the pain that's on the inside of the body out via the skin. So often if the pain's really bad, the skin can look quite brutal. In fact, anyone listening to this, if you just Google body gua sha images, you'll see it will come up like sort of red rash. Sha means rash. Um, the beauty industry has adopted it largely partly in the UK because of me and I softened the word sha to flush. There's a bit of leeway with Chinese because it's because the language is based on images in the first place, you can kind of be a bit more poetic license with, with how you're describing things. But when you're using a rounded edge metal implement, which is what he did, it can really, really bring it up. And people think that's bad. Even now, after all these years, I get people messaging me all the time on social media going, oh, I've got, you know, I've come out in bruising. Like, oh, that's bad. No, it's not. Actually, bruise it. No, obviously, there are contraindications, and, and that's clearly marked on the website. This is not a one, everyone can do everything. But for that kind of, for whiplash injuries and for pain and arthritis and joint pain and muscle pain and injuries and all stuff, gua sha is absolutely incredible. And it was. And it, but Chinese practitioners often don't do it because people in the West are not used to the fact that actually stuff coming up via the skin is a healing modality in itself and they think they've done something they think they've done something bad mm. so, so they think that, that the practitioner hurt them yes. by, by having yeah. flushes on the skin right. basically so what what i think has happened over the years is that when the first wave of sort of you know chinese immigration came certainly into the uk um often that's why you would do acupuncture and herbs which is what everyone thinks chinese medicine is because again when I say to people, I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner, they, the first thing they say is, oh, do you do acupuncture and herbs? It's like, uh, that's only two aspects of the whole. What else is it? Oh, there's loads more. Yes. They're called the immortal healers. Um, so the immortal healers are, well, breathwork, qigong, two in our massage. No, 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 hold on, explain them. Please. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> said up front, I said up front, I'm ignorant. So yeah, yeah. So. Okay, let's just start with some basic ones. Two in our massage is Chinese massage, which is like shiatsu or Thai yoga massage, but it's, it's unique to Chinese medicine. It's got its own heritage. Um, and that was a massage modality that I then went off to learn. And it's very different to Swedish massage. Very, very different. Mm. You're working for a start on energy channels rather than the musculoskeletal system. Because the thing with Chinese medicine is that what, where it differs and the quintessence of what we need to understand is it works on the basis that energy is the origin of everything. Okay, like the quantum physicists. So science and, and ancient theory is all kind of, that's what I love about the 21st century. It's all coming to Coming life. together, Oh, yeah. it's so great. It's yeah. so interesting. And there's a brilliant book called The Spark in the Machine, which I highly recommend if anyone's interested in seeing the fusion between ancient and modern, because it's right oh, there. Oh, I, I need to read this. Oh, it's yeah. a really good book. So the origin of everything is qi or energy. 
And we understand that when we're looking at the body, that if the chi is, if this, this meridian system is not flowing smoothly through the body, then, then you will feel it. It's a sentient, you can't see it. And that's another difference, that Chinese, the ancient medicine was based on living people. Modern medicine was based on dead people. When, if, you, oh. if you think about the 1750s when modern medicine was starting, which is when it, it's original, that's when they're teaching it, that was people in theatre cutting up dead bodies. You weren't doing it on living people. You, were only, you weren't even allowed to do it on dead people, but they did because they had grave diggers doing it. It was all done terribly in secret. But um, it was done on dead people. Well, life force or chi, is de- it's, it's a, you're alive. Mm. <laughs> when yeah. you're dead, it's not there. So, and you can't see it. But you can feel it. And in the modern world, when we're used to, here we are now, with Wi-Fi streaming here, there and everywhere, making this all possible, we've now got our heads around the fact that something can be invisible in order to exist. Mm. We understand that now because tech is doing it. Mm. So even for the most cynical or perhaps the most ignorant, it, it, tech is doing it for us and therefore we understand it's working. Um, so life force is the origin of what this is. If the energy does not flow smoothly, you will start to feel dis-ease. And that's the origin. Now, all of the che- all of the modalities of Chinese medicine come from that basic premise, which is the origin of everything. And that's everything I teach. And once you can understand that, you can start healing. So you basically need to get the energy to flow properly. And yes. then all of the symptoms that resulted from it not uh, flowing properly go away. Yes. And I'm being a little bit simplified here, but let's just keep Sometimes simple is good. It's a bit like with the teeth. When you speak to your kids, oh, I've got to brush my teeth. Well, because you must, you've got to brush the plaque off. Why? Well, if it builds up, that infects the teeth, and then you then you're going to have a real problem later down the line. We know that for a fact. Energy is the same as plaque. If you don't get the energy moving smoothly through the body, things will start to build up, and this is the point. If you if the energy is very quick to move, it's invisible, so it's very febrile. Whereas the minute it starts to become physical in the body, it's starting to get heavier in nature. You know, we know from physics that it goes from light to heavy. That's what it does. That's scientifically proved. So in the body, we want to ensure that we're working with this very light energy field to keep it moving smoothly around the body so that everything moves. And then if we start to feel something is starting to congest, which in the case of this this injury for me, it was very badly congested, hence absolute agonizing pain and deep ingrained symptoms. But once the energy started to move, pain disappeared. I have to ask this. 10 minutes. That's it. You didn't go back. Oh, oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Okay, no. Oh right. no, I went yeah. back. Oh goodness me, goodness me, poor man never got the end of me. Um so <laughs> <laughs> he moved back to Beijing in the end. I think it was me. <laughs> no, I can't deal with Katie anymore. This woman is doing my head and she doesn't leave me alone. No, what happened was that was the eureka moment of this worked. Now, obviously, 10 minutes of gua sha after six years of a serious car accident Absolutely, yeah. was, was just, that was the straw that broke the camel's That's back. That's the demo, yeah. That was yeah. the beginning. That was, yeah, exactly. That was the elevator pitch. It was like, whoa, this worked. Now, what then immediately happened was once the gua, once the sha had disappeared, which took about a week, it's it, it's a bit like, it's, imagine a butter pat. And if you take the, the, you know, you scrape a bit of butter off the top, it's like the body then pushes the next bit up to, to be scraped off. Because uh-huh. the body's literally, if you imagine it like muscle tissue, it's just moving it up and up and up and up and you're clearing it away and then it creates some space. So the next bit comes up. So it's once the sha had cleared, it started to hurt again. But now I knew what to do. And now my mother, who Run did, bless back. her. Yes, yeah. now what the, the, the brilliant doctor, basically, well, he sold us the tool, of course. You know, there's not, there's, that's okay. So he sold us the tool and my mother then did it for me at home. Oh, is that simple? Of course, it's a home treatment. And that's where my brand comes in, which is, the, you, hey, you, 
like not yay me, hey, you, you do it, okay? Let me teach you how to do it for yourself because gua sha um, is an ancient technique and you'll find that most of these self-care techniques, which of which the, the heritage of Chinese medicine in terms of what you can do for yourself is arguably one of the greatest gifts any country can give the, the modern day world. And I know there's all sorts of issues going on out there. Trust me, I hear all about it on TikTok. You know, I get everything thrown at me. But, and I'm fully aware of that. But let's look at the good stuff, okay? This is incredible. And this needs to be kept. You know, the 21st century is, is just about sort of discarding all the rubbish, you know, of all the awful things that have gone on, like, you know, animal cruelty, human rights, oh, everything and anything we can imagine. But taking from each country the good stuff, you know, that, that, that we can take from that and go, right, here we go, we're going to keep that, thank you very much. And this is incredible. So my mother did it on me to keep the pain away, so you'd have to let the shard disappear, then she'd do it again. So every time she did it, it would clear it. And so I could now start to work. Now, of course, what then happened was I jacked my job in at this point. I had a complete life moment. I mean, I was living with my boyfriend. I, I dumped him. I moved out of the flat. I did. I moved out of the flat. That, is that one of the effects of Chinese medicine? Um, <laughs> Dumping well, your boyfriend. I think uh, what I did was I entered my truth. Mm. And that is actually what I like to feel that the deeper message of where I go with, with my community is about. It's about being in your truth. And you and I were saying beforehand about lies. And I thought, yeah, I've lied in my life, I have, and I'm not ashamed to admit anything that I've done that's perhaps in my lower self that I would now be ashamed of, but it's all learning. And I learned along the way that the truth has the most beautiful resonance. It does. And then if we're thinking that people don't know the truth, I'd argue actually people do. The truth has a ring to it. It's called the ring of truth. And when this guy did this stuff on my back, I just thought, this is true. And I'm living a lie. My job is a lie. My boyfriend is, is an ego, because he was quite good looking. <laughs> he was, he was quite hot at the time and had a flat in Chelsea, it was quite cool. But you know, but so I, I, I just went to my truth. I thought, I am a healer. Now, to be honest with you, when I then entered the workforce as a healer, I am open to admit that I was treated like a sex worker. Because in this country, I'm afraid to say that we have, uh, as a bit of a hangover of all sorts of things, we have mistaken sensuality, like the pleasure of the body, with sexuality so we seem to think that you can only please the body if if that's happening which is just not true at all at all and many other cultures understand that and i understand that life can be beyond cruel oh i have experienced that myself many times over nature is cruel watch david attenborough but nature is also abundant and beautiful again watch david attenborough watch the same program and you will see nature in all its glory and this ties us to this deeper concept that Chinese medicine and Taoism understands, which is our relationship to the environment, which is absolutely pivotal right now for, for mankind absolutely. to navigate. So it's, it's so exciting to just stop lying to ourselves about the fact that mankind can rule nature, because that's not true. I have to, I can't let that one go. <laughs> I've gone massively off the point. <laughs> no, 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 you're on point, exactly, honestly, because you say that healing the body through touching the body or pleasuring the body is considered a sex worker. And of course, anyone with any depth whatsoever would understand the difference between sensuality and sexuality, right? Mm. The thing with our modern world is that incredible resistance to anything that contradicts what you believe is the truth. You know, it's very rare that someone would stop and say, is it possible that what I know and believe so deeply 
is actually not true at all. And I find that it's quite shocking that people would go as far as to accuse someone who's actually if delivering amazing impact uh, of being something, something that she's not at all. I mean, not that there is anything wrong with being a sex worker, by the way. No, I, but, but I, I think, wasn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly, but, but that, that wasn't but, my choice but of the career. But the truth is not that. No. Yeah. Okay, really super interesting question. I think that the things have changed a lot. Okay, I'm delighted to say. Remember, this is at the turn of the 21st century. And we... That's not far. That's not long ago. No, but you see, the thing is, we're living in the information revolution. So... If you, and if you look at art, for example, as an, as an art, as an expression of humanity. Okay, great. And I love history of art. It's like one of my favorite non-Chinese topics, although, of course, it all relates back, of course. But if you go to the National Gallery and you start with the gold grounds and it's sort of quite a few centuries of the same thing over and over again. And then all of a sudden, Giotto came into play and it's like, oh, wow, drapes. Oh, three dimension. Oh, this is all terribly exciting. And in the space of about 50 years, it shifted. But still, you can go from room to room and it's quite a slow progress until you get to the late 19th century. And then, oh my goodness me, it goes bonkers. And then you get to the 20th century. Now I go off to the Pompidou Centre and I'm sort of looking in Paris going, oh my gosh, now, right, hang on, I've got to piece all this together. So we've got this going on here. We've got this band of people talking about impressionism because of photography and this band of people cubism because of cinema and then we've got all these people that want to go back to what it was like before Raphael oh okay well, where are we going with this so but then what happens is you get to the that was the 20th century and it's going like the clappers and we were born into that okay we were used to you know this right welcome to the 21st century and now I'm looking at if we're looking at modern art and all the rest of it I mean it's gone into a whole quantum leap where now you can buy art for hundreds of thousands of pounds that won't even exist in in a week's time I mean so if you look at art reflecting what's going on with mankind, 20 years in the 21st century is like 200 years. That's very true about A few hundred years ago. Yeah. Because we're informed. And this is this awakening, which I think is happening. And I totally understand. I was also subject to the lies that we were told were true. The 20th century was, you can buy your way out of pain. That's what we were told. The Mad Men in Madison Avenue from the 1950s onwards, brilliant series, by the way, obviously, and they were showing us. It's Procter & Gamble marketing. You have a problem? Buy this and everything will be perfect. You will be slim and beautiful and fabulous and have a perfect husband and family and all will be good because you've bought this <laughs> stuff. And we all bought into that myth, which is a total lie, and we've all come out the other side going, uh... I have made some money. Many people have. Many of my clients have because they'd have to pay for acupuncture. And yet they're sick. And yet they're sad. And in fact, you only need to look at things like anxiety and depression as modern day malaise going, well, hang on, society arguably is relatively affluent in comparison to where it was, say, 200 Absolutely. years ago, like, you know, overall. Um, and yet everyone's arguably more miserable than before. So clearly money does not buy you happiness. As my great wise father always said, it gives you a better class of misery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's taught me a few things in life. Yeah. That was one of them. Thanks, dad, for that. But it's true. So then what happens is we have now started to awaken from these lies to go, okay, clearly money isn't, thank you, necessarily the answer, is it? it it's part of the answer. Obviously, we don't all want to live in squalor. But on the other hand, you'll notice from, say, COVID, people don't want to do the five-day week from an office anymore. They don't want to pee yeah. or they don't. Yeah, yeah. They just don't. because you've been exposed to an alternative truth. Yes, and you think, well, hang on, I can do my job from home. And my mm -hmm. entire business, by the way, is... Um, people working from home. And also my business is very female centric. So mm -hmm. I employ many women. I'll come to that in a minute. Oh, yes. okay, I'll, I'll back <laughs> off that one. But the point of truth is we have now realized we are in an age of enlightenment if we choose to take it. 
And but that's we have free choice. All religions give us that, that we, man has the power to have free choice, to choose what it is that you want to follow. And this is what we have right now. But, but Katie, do you think, I mean, we've discussed this briefly, but do you think that people are taking that choice? I mean, we're also in a world where, where it seems that there is a bombardment of lies, like literally hitting us more than the particles that come through the cosmic rays to us, which are in the billions, but there are lies everywhere. I, I actually have been thinking deeply in the last few months about is anything ever true anymore? There is always a tiny bit of a twist, even to the way we look and the way we present ourselves and the way we speak to even our dearest friends. It's just becoming so difficult to find something that's authentically and genuinely true. Well, there's another really great saying in Chinese medicine, because there's many. I do urge anyone listening to this to buy a Chinese proverb book, because it's the most- Amazing. It's brilliant, it's a really good thing. Where the attention goes, the qi flows. Qi being energy or life. Got it, got it. So you're saying I'm looking for life, so I, I get through life. Yeah, I mean, it's a basic concept of manifestation and all the stuff that everyone's banging on about with that whole movement, which is if you're looking for it, you it shows it. up everywhere. Well, it's everywhere. But you see, I don't, I've switched. So if you think of the human being, like we're basically energy, okay? We're frequency. We are. We're light and sound frequencies. I mean, you know, that's basically quantum physics. So what happens? We are, like, I call it the Spotify algorithm. Okay, this is what I say when I teach Qigong. So if you're a Spotify algorithm, now I have a bit of a secret thing. I really love Julio Iglesias. <laughs> Do you still? <laughs> Oh Do my God, That's, this, it is a public confession. Guys, <laughs> stay though. I mean, she's incredible in every, in every other way. Go ahead. Everybody's allowed something. <laughs> Absolutely. I love a Spanish crooner. I, <laughs> I lived in Mexico. I speak, I'm bilingual in Spanish. It's like my absolute thing. And mm -hmm. if I'm feeling like I need someone to just coo at me, he's the guy. Right. So my Spotify playlist honors the fact that I like Julio Iglesias. Because if you go to my Discover Weekly, there's an awful lot of Spanish crooners that get shoved down my tunnel. But if I've got a negative frequency, okay, let's just call it heavy metal. For the, I'm not no, 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 no. Let's not call it heavy oh, okay, metal. Sorry. Heavy metal is amazing okay, music sorry, sorry, because sorry, I have that. a confession to make. I like you heavy, heavy metal. metal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not musically compatible, but that's okay. Okay, but let's just say for a minute that my son, for example, came onto my iPhone, which he does all the time, and decided to start playing his music mm. on my phone. Mm. Then what will happen is... Your algorithm will improve your taste. No, no, because <laughs> no, you don't joke. know if he likes heavy metal or not. But anyway, he likes kind of whatever it is. He's, I mean, he's 12, so he's into whatever he's into. So suddenly, my algorithm shifts. Okay, because what I'm putting out there is is a different message. Such so, a beautiful way of describing it. And you know what? I love tech, even though tech doesn't love me, because tech makes my life so easy, because we all get tech. I talk about the soul like the SIM card, and your mm. body is like an old mobile phone. You know, who wants a Nokia when you can have a new iPhone? You know, so cool. Mm. So Spotify algorithms is like manifestation. So if I'm looking for Julio Iglesias, Julio Iglesias is what I get. But if I start looking for something because my son's put it into my phone, I'll start getting that back as well. So I've shut down the negative feed. I don't engage with it. I only engage with this positive feed. It's my life force. And so my job in this world, I think, is to heal people. That's, all I, that's, that's actually all I want to do. So there's no point to me if I'm not doing that. I might as well disappear. So I'll do that. So that's therefore all I do. And I just do it and do it and do it. Like, like, like I would have been as an opera singer. When I was an opera singer, all I did was sing. 
well, it's all I could do at the time anyway, but it's all my life in order to do it. That's what opera singers do. Footballers, anyone top of their game at the Olympics, anyone at all. It's basically down to focusing on what it is that you want and going for it nonstop. And I think the truth of life applies to all of us in the same way. You don't have to be Hussein Bolt in order to win the gold to apply that to your life. So it's got to be, we've got to focus our attention on the positive and, and bring it to life. This is one of my favorite slow-mo moments ever, actually. Is it? Really is. I mean, so eye-opening when you think about it. There is the element of, I need to investigate what's not right so that I work on it. But you're, you're also saying, yeah, investigate it, but focus on what's right. And there is so much right in the world yeah. when you really think about it. Well, this. This like, is wonderful. Th well, this is brilliant. I mean, yeah. imagine how many people would be listening to a conversation that you have and that impacts their life in a positive way. And the tech, again, is, is the making of humanity. It could be the breaking, okay, if we use it in the wrong way, but that's like anything in life. But it gives us the power of the individual. And that is an unprecedented moment in the history of mankind. Because up until tech, the individual was controlled by a more powerful individual. It was a pyramid structure with some sort of person at the very top dictating everything trickling down and we all knew our place and everyone had to live with it. That started disseminating in the revolutions of Europe. We had an industrial revolution in the UK, slightly different, but then we had a massive shift. If you watch, say, Downton Abbey, you know, and that was own, oh, me too, I love it. Again, Netflix. Netflix is such a great teacher if you know what to watch. It's so cool. <laughs> it really is, honestly. It's because it tells you so much you need to know. Like the entire Medici is like, the, the, you know, we're living that all over again. It's, you could just inspire so much from it. But there is so much available for the individual to now take autonomy of the sovereign self and go, that's lies. I'm not listening to that anymore. That's, I mean, look at what happened to the government relatively recently. In the olden days of Yes Minister, the government could have lied their way out of Partygate. Not anymore. Why? Because someone took a video on their iPhone. Ah, now you're busted. Oh, right. And now CCTV is everywhere. So it's like, uh, oh, I didn't do that speeding ticket. That wasn't me. Uh, oh, except we've got a picture of you literally doing it right here. Oh, okay. Mm, busted. So, and even things like text messages can now become evidence in court. You can't no longer say, oh, well, I didn't say that because there's no paper trail of it. Everything is now able to come to light, which means people actually need to live a more truthful existence, I'd say. And wouldn't, wouldn't that be a much better life for all of us? Well, yes, because we'd be in our truth. And as somebody who has lied in her life, like everyone else, I'm no, no exception there. But what I did when I came out of that was go, I am going to speak my truth and I don't lie about anything. I mean, I, lit I won't. I, if I have anything done to my face, I tell my community, it's all right. So what? Mm. I mean, as long as it's true to my message and it's true to what I believe to be true, then it's true. Mm. So it's okay. Like, say, Botox, for example, as a lady of a certain age now in my 50s, the idea is, oh, you know, you must have had Botox. Like, no, I don't have Botox. I use gua sha here. And I don't use filters. Here's me looking rubbish first thing in the morning, everyone. And there's plenty of that on Instagram, I can assure you, with me. <laughs> um, no filters, I can't work them. So, but the reality is, here's also me with a bit of makeup on looking rather glamorous in the evening, because that's the truth of a 50-year-old woman. That's what we look like. That's okay. I, I can ask you so many questions now. <laughs> like so oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and the input, like I'm literally sitting here with a hose of knowledge and information coming my way. But I think what our listeners may not feel, a lot of energy. Mm. There is a lot of presence to you. And it's quite overwhelming, to be honest, it sometimes. Is. Yeah, it is your, the, the number of topics and the way you go through them and so on. So I want, I want to go back to truth, if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, because we said truth and you said energy. 
right? And I think those layers in our current society uh, need to be reinforced more. But when I think about people who are truly truthful, the only way I know it actually is through their energy. I believe that because of the abundance of information that we're going through in today's world, it's actually hard to verify energy, but you can easily always tell the ones that tell the truth. And you keep saying, I want to tell my truth. What is your truth? My personal truth? Gosh, the truth. No, I, so, so, <laughs> so, 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 no, I, basically what, why is your truth? Why, why is it that you're doing all that you're doing? Why is it that you're so adamant to change people's minds around a specific modality of medicine and so on and so forth? Well, to just put that there, I'm not adamant about making anyone do anything. That's the problem. Okay. I'm not out here to confuse or make anything kind of even more complicated than it already is. I'm just speaking my truth because it is true. And if anyone chooses to engage with it, and it is a, we have free choice now, we're no longer imposed on. The, the world of, of internet and social media means everything's out there and you can follow what you like. Your, your Spotify algorithm is, is whatever you want it to be. So I'm out there speaking mine. And if anyone likes it and they want to know about it, then I'm there. But there's no, I'm not forcing, I'm not sort of going out there going, this is how everything needs to be. That's another thing, because again, 20th century construct, we come from a, a century of binary. Okay, it's like good, bad, male, female, right, wrong, um, hot, cold. And you thought, hang on a minute, the 21st century is integration. Okay, this is now we go to the union, we go to the whole. So therefore, all I'm doing is offering what I know to be true to anybody that cares to engage with it. And if they don't want to, shut me down. It's all right. <laughs> that's, their, that's their truth, right? Yeah, it's a free country. I mean. Not sadly, not all the countries are, but this one is, and I'm very honoured to have been born into it because actually that's a great advantage. And as a white middle-aged female, I have had certain privileges given to me as a result of being born in the UK. And it's not been an easy journey by a long stretch, but it's been certainly easier for me than many other ladies I could think of across the world. So I've got to take that privilege with honour and grace and, and, and honour it with everything I possibly can, which is I'll speak what I know to be true, and I will. If people don't believe me, it's okay. Okay, so let me go back to Chinese medicine. Yes. Yeah. So, so you started, I was asking you what are all of the other models. Mm -hmm. So we started with Gua Sha, right? Which we, we know is now taking the energy out of your, the trapped energy out of your body through your skin, correct? Yeah. So what, what else? Gosh, okay, so there's, well, Gua Sha isn't really a modality in terms of, any, they call it the immortal healers. Oh, I love it. It's all so unctuous. Oh my goodness me, I love it. And by the way, there's loads of really juicy box sets on Netflix with all of this mystery from the, oh my God, I watch them all the time, I love it. So Gua Sha is part of massage, because that's, that's a modality. But breath work is a modality. Water therapy, okay, acupuncture, nutrition, herbal medicine, Qigong. What's water therapy? Well, for example, Wim Hof has used, a, I don't know if, it, if it's intentional, whether it's coincidence, but a lot of the techniques that, that he's so celebrated for, are, I'm looking, oh, we do that in Chinese medicine. Um, so for example, but equally in Europe, we had the Roman baths. So like anybody that studies the Romans, they always talk about the baths. And then they talk about how these poor slaves had to anoint them in oil at the end and scrape the oil off. And I've, looked, I've bought some of those scrapers because I wanted to have a good old look at what they look like. I thought, oh, lo and behold, that's a gua sha tool. 
all exactly the same thing. So the reality is, is that hot cold bathing was very much part of Asian healthcare across the board, whether not just China. I mean, and it's still there to this day. I mean, you have the onsens in Japan, you have the Korean bathhouses, you have the bathhouses in China. I mean, they are everywhere. They are completely and utterly entrenched in the culture. Now that came into Europe and the Romans absolutely adopted it. But interestingly, it was shut down in Western Europe by Catholicism because they felt that it was pagan because it was worship of water and they wanted to worship energy and God and religion, da, 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 I'm going to religion, but that was what was, that's what happened. They converted them into churches. If you go to Rome, for example, the biggest bathhouses in Rome are now churches. So, Interesting, I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I've done all that too, I love it. <laughs> Watching what happened in Rome when it went from pagan to Christian is pivotal to our understanding of our society now, because of course the Roman Empire stretched mostly through Europe. But all these big bathhouses of, survived very much across uh, Eastern Europe, which of course, Scandinavia, the saunas and all of the Eastern European band is very much entrenched. And the Russian bathhouse, for example, of which there are still many, completely entrenched with water therapy. And it's basically fire and ice. So what you're doing is you're massively exaggerating the, the combination of the body's thermostat to go from extremely hot to release the toxicity out of the held position in the cells because they all got warm. So like, like figs opening on a summer's day, everything gets all squashy and it all sort of it all oozes out. And then you go into the cold water, this ice like this, and it massively um, impacts the lymphatic system of the body. Now, it's suddenly started trending because Wim Hof's done some superb work there. But when I talk to my ladies, we just, I just start the journey with just fluctuate your shower, for example. Mm. makes a massive difference mm. to how you feel. And then you can start adding in saunas and one thing and another. But that's, that is a key health practice. That's why the Romans did it. Because what it's doing and what all of the modality in Chinese medicine is doing is hooking into the three basic principles of health, which most which people don't even know is are there. Mm. And the first one is circulation. That's it. Like moving plaque off your teeth, you've got to ensure that the circulation of qi and blood moves smoothly around the body. And if you go straight into acupuncture or straight into herbs or straight into nutrition or supplements, you've, you've missed the lowest common denominator. You've missed mm. the catch-all. Mm. So actually just moving the body yourself is that's the breath work, is the first, like breathing, mm. breathing. That's moving the body. That's why it's the number one healing, um, the number one immortal healer. And the number two is water because we've come out of nature. So human beings have always evolved next to a water supply. Otherwise we'd die. So using water as a healing modality is the second one. And so it moves on. Keep going. Oh gosh, now you now you throw me because I'm like, oh, can I, can I remember the eight in order? <laughs> <laughs> How many are there? There's eight. They're called the eight immortal healers. Okay. And if anyone's interested, there is a brilliant book by the grandmaster Mantak Chia, who's written a whole book on it, and it's super interesting. Now I'm probably now going to forget one because I'm on the spot. But the first one is breath. The second one is water. The third one is uh, dietary therapy because food is food is healing. The fourth one would be herbal medicine. The fifth one would be qigong. The sixth one is acupuncture. And now you've got, oh, the seventh one is spiritual practice. And I'm missing one. And now I can't remember. And I'm going to remember it as soon as I leave. Absolutely. But se seven out of eight is Seven quite, out of eight, like that. It's oh. really not bad at all. Spiritual practice. How does that come oh, in? Oh, now this is my favorite bit. This is why Qigong is so fantastic. Because the thing about Qigong is it was banned. And it's still, you, you still got to watch it. You'll find that it sort of comes in and out of favor a bit. So you'll find that many, of the, the, many Qigong practitioners are outside of China, not... But um, Qigong is incredible because if you're dealing with the human, we need to look at our spirit. We need to, look, and I call this the pyramid of health. Mm. So that if you just imagine literally a, a equilateral triangle and at the bottom is your physical health, 
That's like the physical practices that we've been talking about, like moving the body and water therapy, that kind of thing. The middle band is your emotional health, which is what's suffering at the moment very much. But the top is your purpose, which is your spirituality, which is ultimately, this is where the pivot of, of healing really, really sits. And this is what I teach in the Qigong class, because you can't really go out there to the mainstream talking about that. People will probably think I'm a bit bonkers. So I tend to save that for people who've prepared to kind of come all the way yeah. through, because it's really, this is where we heal through pain. And it's not an easy message, having been through pain myself. If, if I'd heard me talking about that when I was suffering, I would have just switched myself off. But it's where we go. If we really want to heal, that's where it's at. Why is it that this is why we heal through pain? Because if we look at the absolute pivot of healing, because everything does pivot, the origin of something is where it becomes something else. And we call this emotional alchemy in Chinese medicine. So give me two minutes to answer this question, because it's, it's, I can't as just As many minutes you, yes. as you want. Okay, so in our medicine, we are, the, the whole body is ruled by your five key organs. They're like empires. Correct. And they have all of the functions that Western medicine gives them, like the heart beats blood around the body or the, the kidneys filter urine and the liver filters blood. Yes, but there's more. Okay, there's way more to it than that. So these five empires, the heart, the spleen, which is like the digestion, the lung, the kidney and the liver. Okay, and they have physical attributes, and they have all the physical domains that they do, but they are also responsible for low frequencies of how we feel. For example, anxiety, worry, fear, grief, and anger. Those are low frequencies, and we feel unhappy when we feel that. Those are not nice feelings, okay? Mm -hmm. But the, the great amazing pivot of that is that you can transcend them, you can alchemize them. And that is, in Taoism, the reason as to why a human being is a human being at all is that we've come in with like a kind of hand of cards as to what's going to happen to us which like cards a good card player will win on a bad hand okay so it doesn't mean if you haven't got three aces that you that it's not a great life it doesn't mean that but you get your hand of cards but it's how you play them and when life which it will will deal with you the cruel bouts that it does to every and it's not the madmen advertising oh you can buy your way out of it folks it's like no I do chart reading for the rich, the famous, the people that theory have everything, and you think actually their lives are just as horrendous, arguably more so, because it's splashed across the newspapers, um, than the rest of us. But what that, these pain points with these low frequencies of, say, anger, okay, the alchemized state of anger is forgiveness. But it's very hard to forgive. It's easy to forgive someone that, I don't know, bashed into me on the way here, you know, and got my hair a bit wet because it was raining. It's like, oh, that's right, it's a bit annoying, but it's okay, as opposed to some horrendous thing which is what I deal with in clinic when, and, and I've dealt with in my own life where, you know, deep betrayal. I mean, it's what Dante calls this, you know, the seven deadly sins. This is big stuff. But ultimately what's available to us is to alchemize these very, very difficult situations that happen to all of us in our lives, which are the most painful things. But those most painful things become the opportunity for total liberation of the spirit. And ultimately from that becomes the possibility of a truly enlightened state, which is immortality. That's three minutes of the meaning of life. Don't wish to sound insincere. So you're saying that we have the power to take the worst experiences we've ever had, which would trigger those low frequency emotions mm. and turn them into uh, enlightenment and accordingly immortality. Yep. And that simple flow chart, if you want, is what life is all about. It is, and by distilling it the way that we just have, I'm fully aware that I sound insincere. 
because it's easier said than done. But that's why Qigong means life force practice, because this is not an easy thing. It's not an easy ask. And if you look at many, well, look at all religions, they will always hold up key people in, in the religion that have led by example. Even if you just take it as a story, because I don't wish to infiltrate anyone's religious beliefs, if you just take religions as stories, go, I'm not, I don't believe it. But just take, okay, it's a story then. Okay, just listen to the story. Let fiction. Me yeah, yeah, just fiction. Yeah, like, like a romantic comedy, yes. which we tend to believe. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. fine. And people can have their own belief systems of whatever they wish to have. But if you take the story, look at what they do. What they're showing you is that unbelievable cruelty or unbelievable suffering that that person illustrated the higher self they forgave which is the ultimate liberation of the human soul and it's not easy it's not supposed to be it's supposed to be hard because it's so valuable and this is the concept of turning the kind of the carbon molecules inside which is orbiting inside us to what is it 30 16 percent i think or 13 i can't remember but anyway quite a lot of those molecules they're promiscuous Okay, they can become radioactive in their worst state, but they can become diamonds. And that's what Taoism is all about. That's the concept of the ether becoming the kind of condensed. And it's, it's like the genie in the lamp. I always tell this story, it's like Aladdin. You've got the opportunity to be the genie, but you have to work on these really difficult inclusions that are sitting deep, deep, deep inside our souls whilst you're alive, because you have the opportunity of time and you are physically here so you can feel it. Because when you do the, the meditation practices, which take you totally into spirit so that you, you lose all sense of consciousness of your physical body, you can't make the shift because it's free and it's universal. You've got to physically be inside a body in order to feel, in order to transcend. And it's hard. Why? Because it's so valuable. That's why we value diamonds. Does that mean, Katie, that without those experiences, the, the pressure that turns us into diamonds, we cannot transcend? No, we can. That's the free choice. And the thing now, carbon molecules are interesting because they're quite promiscuous and they can do lots of different things. And I won't go into all of them because we'll be here all night. But there are three big ones that I talk to my ladies about, uh, which is radioactivity. We yeah. don't want that one. Thank you very much. Right. But then there's this middle one, granite. It's mm. brittle. Now, that's interesting because we've, we've got a world of people out there who are cracking up, who literally say they are breaking down. Right. And we use these words in our language. I think, yeah, yeah, that's that's the carbon molecules are kind of going into this granite because the pressure is so intense. And because of the I won't call them lies, I'll call them constructs that we've been told were true when we were growing up, that we were like, so therefore what I need to do is work harder to earn more money because that's the solution. I'm going to buy something to cheer. I'm going to get a ring or a car or a new house or a new piece of clothing or something to distract myself with. I don't know. I'll just go on TikTok and look at someone else. It's creating brittle because the carbon molecules are just simply following what you're intending to do, which is to escape, basically. Right, so it creates carbon. Or you take the pressure, which is what Earth gives us, like it does to a diamond. Earth puts pressure on those carbon molecules, in, which is carbon to start with, and it puts the pressure onto them and it makes them immortalized because they no longer whiz about. That's what makes them into the pyramid construct. Interesting, it's a pyramid that, that create the diamond structure, which is the coincidentally or not the very thing that we prize the most on the earth. It's the most valuable thing from inside the earth because it's showing us what happens, how beautiful and how brilliant something and how immortal something can become because diamonds are forever, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Says Shirley Bassey. 
<laughs> yeah, and they, and they are resilient to all other kinds of pressure. Right. So if you can go to the deepest possible pain, in, and I'm not saying this is easy. It's not easy. I've been there myself. This was not an easy journey for me whatsoever. This was horrendous. But I did it. I did it. And it wasn't easy. And I messed up loads and loads and loads and loads. But I came out the other side and went, oh, I get it. <laughs> no, I get it. Thank you for that pain because now I understand. And now I can tell people because then they can hopefully understand too. Once you've transcended your deepest possible suffering, what else can hurt you? I'm going to pause for a second here for people to think about that. Mm. So you, you, you keep saying ladies and you have a, a lot of ladies in your workspace which have been exposed to a lot of pressure in our world, not only our modern world. I, I think probably one of the top cruelties of humanity has been how we deal with women. And so tell me what your motivations are. Why are you so surrounding yourself by ladies all the time? It's not intentional. And actually, when I started, nobody was listening. So mm -hmm. I just talked to myself. I talked to the ether for quite a long time. And then we had lockdown. Well, I mean, I always have my clinic, but a clinic quite small, really. There's only so many hours a week yeah, to see because, people. Yeah, and if yeah. they're coming back each week, there's like 30-odd people. But then we had lockdown. And so that's when it started. So I carried on doing what I was doing anyway. It didn't change anything, but people suddenly started to listen. But the people that were listening were menopausal ladies, or what I call the second spring, which is a much nicer way of putting it. And that's the Chinese way of saying it. So the second spring ladies started to listen. So I talked to them and it was all ladies. My husband was so happy because up until then, poor guy, he was having it. And he was like, oh, seriously, like he said, if he ever gives up insurance, he could become a Chinese doctor. He's like, thank God someone else is listening to my wife. Anyway, poor Mr. Brindle. So um, anyway, it was ladies and it's been ladies for ages. And then every now and then there's a gentleman, but I can't say ladies and gentlemen. It makes me feel like I'm about to be in a circus. So I call them gentlemen ladies. <laughs> because we all have our inner lady, don't we? I totally agree. I agree. Yeah. And they like it too. We had a big discussion about it. And are my gentlemen happy to be called gentlemen ladies? And they all were. So that's what it is. Because yeah. I like saying ladies. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think there is a, a tendency for, I believe actually from my work, for, for ladies to be more inward looking, to be more interested in discovery. Because not because they have a better ability at it, but because I think the masculine sadly is just running like nuts all, all over the place all the time. So they never really stop to reflect. And because the conditioning of the modern world is be out there, keep doing, keep doing, keep mm. doing, right? Well, that's yang energy. Now, now if we go to the yin-yang concept for a second, yang is male and yin is female. Now, I'm really sorry about making gender constructs, but it's the, this no, is No, but how... masculine and feminine, let's call it, yes. is, is not a gender. No, right? yeah. and everyone has both inside them. Absolutely. So men are yang on the outside, yin on the inside, and women are yin on the outside and yang on the inside. So That's the little circle in the yes, middle. Yes, yeah. it's exactly that. And then there's a wild great spectrum of the ratio of what that is. And thank goodness, once again, for the 21st century, because now, now we are certainly in many countries free to actually express that. And that's marvelous, right? But the reality is, is that women in yin, which was arguably female up until relatively recently, so if, if you were born a woman, you were called a woman and your life was female de facto. The healing arts traditionally were always with the women. Correct. And now, 
Not only in Chinese, I mean shamanic oh, and other, yeah, yeah. I mean, like everywhere. Yeah. I mean, the Wu, which was the ancient, 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 were, were, were female. This medicine lineage, which I talk about, is female lineage. Now, that doesn't mean to say we need to keep it like that because it then became a male construct and that's okay. And now it doesn't really matter who wants to take Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We don't have to be sexist about it. It's just like if anyone's interested, I'm happy to tell them. And actually, my head Qigong instructor, Aaron Collins Thomas, he's a absolutely brilliant Qigong teacher. And he is a bloke, very much so. And the Qigong master that we worked to, John Munro, also a man. And like, they're really manly men as well. You know, they're sort of big blokes, very male, very obviously male. So it doesn't have to be that just because women were the ones who perhaps have adopted these techniques because they're trying to sort themselves out. Arguably, many of my audience were menopausal slash second spring either can't take HRT or would like something to supplement it or thinking, actually, I'm taking it and it, it's doing me some good, but I'm still feeling X, Y, and Z, so that they're looking for solutions. And that's what I love so much about everything that I do, because it's very solution-based. It's full of hope. So you just found yourself in that community, whereas there is more female energy than male energy. Seems to be, but that hopefully will shift one day, because I believe... I was going to ask exactly yeah. that. Well, just talking to you here right now. Uh, I think this is the first male co podcast I've ever done. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Woohoo! No, but, but honestly, this is so interesting and curious for me. I mean, like, this is really something. I'm actually sitting here constantly telling myself, how am I going to free up time to learn this? Because it's really quite inspiring to think about the world this way. Now, the challenge I meet in my work in general is that we have sort of never allowed, because big boys don't cry, remember that? We've never allowed the masculine to, to stop and say, hey, there is a problem, I need a solution. Mm. And, and I think the change in that mentality of saying, hey, by the way, you have the right to feel pain too. You have the right mm. to say that your neck hurts and you have the right to go and seek a solution. Right? Or that your heart hurts. Or that, oh, yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> Whoa. I, yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that? That's such a beautiful way of putting it. And I think that the reality, I mean, remember, I'm quite reasonably at a midpoint between my feminine and masculine. Probably I'm more feminine than I am masculine. Mm. But I, I mix with all kinds of people. And, you know, I have lots of friends who are very, very much in the mainstream, very fast paced. And I can tell you they're hurting is, you know, the, the masculine world out there is really hurting. Whether that masculine world, by the way, is a man or a woman that has to adopt her masculine to, to just, you know, succeed in the business world. Mm. And, and I think that pause, that idea of saying, hey, by the way, there is a little more that you need to do, whether that's from the very physical side, as you rightly said in the modalities, you know, from the physical side of let's massage you and touch your body all the way up to the spiritual side, where we, we actually can connect to something that really, truly heals us. Mm. And, and I don't see that happening for some reason. I see that our world is pushing us further and further, interestingly, as much as we talk about empowering women into masculinity. Yes. Well, no. <laughs> yes, good, no, good, 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 good. Oh, okay. Um, again, it depends on... The energy that I advertise. Well, it's kind of up to you. I mean, this is this amazing thing. If you look at the Sistine Chapel, okay, which is like one of the most famous landmarks in the world, okay, and if you think of Michelangelo who painted it, who is arguably one of the most famous painters ever, who, by the way, was nearly killed off as a heretic, for the last judgment that he painted in the Sistine Chapel. So quite clearly, he was trying to tell us something. 
because he nearly got a very painful death off the back of it. So let's just go there for a sec. So the moment where God and Adam are there, which is the, and I'm not trying to push any religion on anyone here. I'm just, this is just a really famous picture by a really famous artist. And what is he trying to say? And it's super interesting because God in the picture is quite clearly in a brain. <laughs> Anybody listening to this front up, please Google it. Go, no, it's like God's in a brain. What do you mean? I promise you, if you want to Google it, if you Google the Sistine Chapel where the fingers nearly touch, but they don't, yeah. if, you, if you stop looking at that for one second and just look at the depiction of God, it is quite clear that, that he is, or God is, sorry, not he, God is sitting in half of a brain. Interesting. Yes, very interesting. Because remember that these early um, old masters were dissecting bodies quite illegally, but they were, and they were, abs they were obsessed with, with the form and the human form and what it all looked like on the inside. They were all at it and, it's, and it shows in their art. That's why it all became terribly muscular because it was yeah. the process, right. So this is about the co-creation and free choice. That's what that picture is saying. Now you don't have to be religious about it. It's just giving you this understanding of divinity is not just us being these kind of passive conduits of doom and gloom. And it's like, well, there's nothing we can do. We're passive and someone, and they are gonna either fix our bodies or they are gonna tell us what to do, or they are gonna tell us how much tax to pay or which job I've got to do. This is 20th century. No century should be judged by the previous century. Thank God. I mean, the 16th was not the 15th and the 18th was not the 17th and the 21st is not the 20th. And the 21st, as we said earlier, is going like the clappers. So like a month of the 21st century is more like a decade of a previous one, okay? So that means that we can enlighten ourselves and choose what we want to do. And we can learn this from the past. The masters are showing it to us in the paintings. It's right there to look at, right there for all to see. We live in a free country now. Italy's just like, yeah, roll up, pay your money, you can go and have a look. And then you, and then you go, no one's, no one's killing you for looking at it. So how exciting to actually think that we are in a position now to decide what we want. Do you want to live in pain? Do you want to sign up to this construct? Or would you like, and, and if you go, yeah, but these people want to work like that because they want the money, all right? But we are bodies that multitask all the time. Your body right now is, listening arguably to me sorry can't get worded um we're having this attentively yeah ah thank you but meanwhile your heart is beating you've got all sorts of synapses going on your whole metabolism is working you're digesting food you're breathing you're doing all sorts of interesting things your body is purging and nourishing all sorts of stuff's going on so we are able to live at this high pace because we can take the wisdom of the past and go right i'll incorporate that into my ridiculously busy life because it only takes a second and it starts with the breath which is what the first immortal healer is. As I say to my patients, if you stop breathing, if you tell me you're too busy and you can't breathe, you'll be dead. So that's the end of that. So <laughs> knock yourself out with that one. So the whole human construct is designed to align itself into this brilliant existence of life. We just have to choose to do it or not. And that's okay. You, you blow me away with your <laughs> optimism, but how many of us are not choosing to do it, I think is the challenge that we have. And I think the purpose of my message, because I do know that I have some male listeners and at least I have partners of male listeners, is to say, choose to do it. Choose to actually use those modalities and opportunities and, and curiosities to find a way that is not just buried in all of the mindless doing that we have been conditioned to live by. I think that it's not only making us unhappy, it's making the whole planet unhappy. Well, we'll just render ourselves extinct. Absolutely. And that's okay. 
by the way. I mean, it's not, obviously. I'm not, I'm not, goodness me, I'm sitting on the board of Greenpeace fighting for the rights of the world. But if that's what we choose to do, because it's a free choice and we have this choice, that's why God is in half a brain, then fine, nature will always win. So what will happen? We are living in the age of Aquarius. The waters will rise. We will have a flood. And just like before, when we had a flood last time, the intelligent people said, it's gonna be a flood. The waters are rising, that's our scientists. And everyone goes, yeah, but let me just go and buy a coffee with a plastic lid and I'm too busy to think about that right now. And I'm just gonna throw that away when I finish with it. And the really clever people went, mm, it's still gonna be a flood. So what did they do? They went up the mountains, obviously, because that's what you would do if you were predicting a flood. <laughs> no one's listening. You go, well, I'll go to the highest point then, shall I? And wait for it to recede. So then what happened, that's exactly what happened. That's why all this knowledge base came up down from the Himalayas, because that's where all the last generation super, super, <laughs> super intelligent people were. They went up, and they went down into China, down into India, and then boom, across the rest of the world. So where are we now? Well, we can choose not to do it, and there will be a flood, and nature will wipe it all back clean again, and it will become aquatic again, and it will take several million years, and then life will come back in a different form, and it will. And the thing is, when you understand this stuff, is that the, the cycle of energy flow is on a 60-year circuit, okay? The is it? Yes, yeah. uh, yes, and this is Taoism, but it, I mean, it is. And our whole calendar construct is based off the back of that. So, but space and time is eternal, right? That's what religion talks, tells us, it's eternal. So, plenty of time. I mean, we may not be able to enjoy it for quite long. We might come back if we believe in incarnation or not. Well, if you don't believe in it, you're dead and that's the end of it. And if you do believe in it, you're going to come back and experience a whole wealth of other different creatures until the new version of whatever society is will emerge from it, which is a real shame because I love a bit of David Attenborough and I love watching this world and I will do anything I can to protect it, which is what I'm trying to do in my way. But so the reality is it's a, it's a beautiful world and it's one that we should protect because we are evolved species and therefore the evolved enlightened members of our society need to do everything they possibly can to protect it. And everyone needs to just try a little bit harder. But as the Taoist masters again say, it doesn't matter if you don't, but it's better if you do. And I say that all the time as well. It doesn't matter if you don't, you'll drown. And it won't be us by the way, because it's not going to happen in our lifetime. So we're all right. I mean, our kids will, or their kids will. So that's a shame. But I don't want to sound like I'm being glib here. I'm just being matter. I'm being pragmatic about something that makes me acutely unhappy, which I refuse to feel in that energy frequency. So nature will always win. Okay, the carbon that we've created in this kind of greenhouse effecty environment that we're doing, it gets metabolized by whales. So good job Greenpeace stopped all the whale culling in the 1970s. Thank you, Greenpeace, for going out there in the Rainbow Warrior and fighting for the rights, because those creatures actually metabolize the carbon that's coming back down into the sea and sending it right back down where it came from in the first place. So nature has its ways. Cruel, but magnificent. Ah, finding that peace with it when you think that you can actually do something to change it. That duality is quite rare, huh? It's basically saying, I'm gonna do everything I can to make it work. Hmm. But if it doesn't work, I'm chill, I'm okay. Well, I believe in the truth. So let's just go there for a minute, because you were saying very wisely that, you know, we live in very much a fear-based society. We've, we've been, because you, you can rule people with fear, you can, but not in the 21st century because we live in the information revolution. So you can't rule by fear anymore because people are perfectly capable of informing themselves if they wish, just everything. If they wish. Yeah. If they wish, co-creation again. So 
Therefore, wisdom, wisdom prevails. So what do you do? You do your very, very best. You do your best to help, to serve, because that's what makes you feel good. I feel really good doing my work to the point at which I literally can't actually do anything else. But that's OK, because I don't want to do anything else. So I'm quite happy doing this. And I do it for free and people can pay me. Or I don't care. I just do it anyway. So I'll do everything I can. But I still get on an aeroplane. I've still got a train to come and see you here. I mean, it was public transport, but it's still a train. It's not an electric train. And where's the electricity coming from? So, but I, I'm doing everything I possibly can to do. And actually, David Attenborough, again, he did a brilliant, brilliant documentary where he was showing us what we can do. Yeah. Cut down meat consumption. Well, OK, I've done that. Cut down your carbon footprint. I've done that. Plant trees. OK, I've done that. Uh, and the, the more success that life gives you, the more you have a social responsibility to give back. And totally. This is where, another brilliant expression, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to sit by and do nothing. Totally, 100%. Right, so if, listeners, you are a good person, which I guarantee you must be, then... Do, do something, do, whatever it is. Just do the best you can. Just, the best you can. Just to do the best you can. And I'm not perfect. I still do eat fish, okay? Like, not. I try and keep it to a minimum, but I do, because otherwise I get weak and then I can't do my job. But I do, I still have the old coffee. I know everyone goes, oh, you drink coffee? Yes, I do. I have one a day. Sorry about that, but it's fair trade. But I do. But I do what I can to serve. And the more the universe gives back to me, which is abundance, because it does, because I use the affirmation. So my affirmation is, I am abundant. It's a really good one, anyone listening. It works really well. If you want to overrule every single bit of Spotify algorithm going on, just keep saying it and it totally works. I am abundant. So because I say it and I believe it, it just happens. It just keeps happening more and more and more. And the more abundance I'm blessed to receive, the more I will funnel into the ecosystem that I've created to give back. And I urge anyone to follow suit. If you're in business, support female entrepreneurs because we don't get, we get 5% of the global pot, which is really sad. And 97% of female businesses succeed. So that's a bit sad because that alone would make a massive difference. You know, people listening to this right now, think about where you're buying your stuff from. Mm. Just make wise choices. Don't support the big organizations that you know don't care. You know, and you don't even have to spend money, by the way, just things like supporting big organizations that are tr like, like, they're not all perfect, by the way, but there's lots of good stuff. So for example, I know, Avaz, mm -hmm. you know, every time something goes wrong, out goes the petition, right, they make it really easy for you, you can just click your thing on it, and it can spew it out to your WhatsApp group. And then suddenly 5 million people are clamoring about the fact that I don't know, only 1% of the world's oceans are protected, which is a true fact. Okay, but we're doing our best to make it 33%. Yes, but the more people sign, you don't have to pay. You just put your name to a petition and go, are you okay about that? Well, no, I'm not actually. I quite like to be able to go for a swim in the sea at some point without it being full of petrochemicals because some, someone up the food chain has decided that they're going to make their pound of flesh and they don't care. So, you know, no, I'm going to put my name to that. And that's where, again, tech is so powerful because all of a sudden you can have 20 million signatures and you will find that politics will, policy making follows public demand. Twas ever thus. Yeah. What did you call it? Where the attention goes, the energy flows. Yes. Yeah. It's true. So put your attention. So just if people are following this right now, just follow some charities that you like. You don't have to give them money. I mean, do give them money. But if you don't want to give them money because you haven't got any money to give them, give them your attention because that's free. And put your signature to things because that's free. And just bother to sign up to something to say, every time you send me something, I will put my name to that because actually I'm against 
these awful things going on and I'm going to do that. That's a quick thing to do. Yeah, and, and like, like you rightly said, you know, make choices with your same amount of money to buy things that are not as harmful to the planet, make choices to change your diet, make choices to spend time with people that will make you better and so on and so yeah. forth. I want to ask one final question mm. because I can't let you go without that. Uh, so, so you spoke a lot about energy and emotions and well-being and so on and so forth. How does all of that impact on our happiness? What's the the Taoist view or the Chinese medicine view of how to be happier? Ah, well, now happy is an interesting construct. So we don't go for happiness. Mm -hmm. And because happiness, as the Will Smith film would show in the pursuit of happiness, that you will notice the entire film is excruciating. Oh, no. <laughs> Until the last minute. I know. It's like reading a Jane Austen. It's like, will she ever marry Mr. Darcy? It's like, oh, finally in the last page, they live happily ever after. Oh, it's killing me. Right. Happiness is quite a volatile construct, mm. which unfortunately, again, comes out of the 20th century because it's like, buy this and you will be happy. That's not happiness at right. all. Right, okay, yep. that's all like you say. So the de facto to be happy requires at some point for you to be unhappy. And then it all becomes a bit wibbly wobbly. Mm. So we start with something much easier. And this is again where history of art is so useful because what is the most famous painting in the world? Mm, Mona Lisa. Yes. Yeah. Now, why? Now there's loads and loads of really amazing reasons why, but there's another one. She is showing you the smile of equanimity. Right, now what's that? Equanimity is what Taoism talks about, which is this inner contentment. Yeah, that's what I call happiness as well. Right, because contentment is a grounded sensation that is much more rooted in the body and actually is something which is consistent, yeah. which means you can strive for it. And from contentment, once you've got contentment in its quintessence, kind of in your body, you think, I can sit here and be content. It's not vol these carbon molecules again, they're not buzzing around being promiscuous, which is what they do, being volatile, mm. okay? They, they get hooked in like this, content, mm. okay? So when something comes in to wobble you, it's quite easy to maintain contentment. Yeah. Happiness, no, way too volatile. Yeah, I call that other one fun. So I, I, call, yes. I call contentment happiness, and I call that excitement and, and running around and enjoying things and so on. I call that fun. Yes, and that's exactly what carbon molecules do. They whiz around and, yeah. they, whee, and they become really volatile. Right, yeah. so contentment is absolutely available to us within one breath. And that's the exercise that, which is one of the basic Chinese medicine self-care techniques, which is called the inner smile. It's really famous. And all you do is you just imagine a smile down in your lower belly, which mm -hmm. happens to be the lower energy center called the Dantian. Mm -hmm. And it takes the mind, the upper Dantian, which is the third eye, which happens to be in the brain, which is the monkey mind, like buzzing around going, ooh, like this, down into the mind body. That's like the yoga, okay? So down it goes into the smile of equanimity. And you can practice it. You can literally, you don't have to sit there like an idiot, like grinning away. This is the Mona Lisa smile. And it's right, it's the, it's the most famous, everyone's heard of it. Literally, that was that I deliberately sort of said, right, come on, like, it's yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. me feeding took, you. Took me a minute, but... <laughs> yeah, but, it's, but it was the yeah. correct answer, although yeah. there's no such thing as right or wrong. But um, the reality is, is that that smile of equanimity is the beginning of happiness. Yeah. And then what you do is you, you don't, it doesn't go high, it expands. And that's, and it can expand and contract that lovely warm feeling and you can control it. And again, with Qigong, you can practice it and you can grow it. And then once you've kind of healed yourself, um, you will notice that that energy frequency kind of radiates out of you. And then you, other people notice that you've got this kind of 
energy flows. What people say to me all the time, they go, oh God, where'd you get your energy from? Can't we bottle it up? It's like, no, you don't need to bottle it up. I will give it to you for free <laughs> through your telephone. Again, hurrah for tech. <laughs> tech is amazing. I love tech. It hates me, but I love it. <laughs> so look, look, look at all of the ancient wisdom then ending your conversation with I love tech. Like I do. Um, no, like, let's say I love ancient wisdom. I think that's the right way to, to, to end our well, conversation. I do love ancient wisdom, but I, the more I understand tech, the more I understand that tech mirrors ancient wisdom, like the Truly, binary absolutely. code. And, and, and actually, interestingly, because we're so attached to our phones now, I mean, I was, I was dreaming the other night, and you know that really famous picture of like the origin of mankind and it sort of starts as an angel, yeah. it goes through. I swear to God, they need to do another picture with a bloke wandering along with a phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They really should, because that is where we're going. And I think... Given that we are completely attached to our phones. Every, every minute of the yeah, day. Me yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. I was literally, before we sat down, I was like, where's my phone? Oh my God, my phone? <laughs> the reality is I can heal through the phone. I can heal you through your phone. I've, I've taken the clinic model of you coming to me and paying me X pounds per minute to me going, actually, hang on, we can flip that completely around the other way. I can heal anybody for free on my lives, which are there in the morning on a Tuesday and Thursday. I can heal, I can do it there. Mm. Now, whether you're you're receptive enough to receive it. That's what I was going to say. But that's okay, because then I can help you with that too, because all we've got to do is move that, we've got to shut down this frequency over here, which is the doom and gloom frequency. Let's just switch that one off for a bit, because it's really boring and it does my head in. Let's go to these other gorgeous frequencies, which are relating to your chakras, and just, they're much more sensitive, but they're really beautiful. It's like a symphony orchestra playing away. And let's just ding, 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 turn them on, and in it comes. I could talk to you for 16 hours straight. Oh, as please a matter, tell my husband that. <laughs> I, I, as a matter of fact, I honestly, which I rarely do, I think I will listen to this again. Oh. Because you keep dropping things as you're talking, right? And you drop so many of them so quickly. I have to say this was not a slow-mo conversation. There Sorry, was a, no. There was a quick, a quick slow-mo conversation. It was at pace, if you want. And it, it's quite interesting how you combine so many, so many, you know, facets of knowledge and try to combine them together and find the analogies through them. But you have a train to catch, which I am disappointed to say has to make me end the conversation now, otherwise you will not like me. But I, uh, <laughs> I am so grateful for this. This was so eye-opening for me. Oh. It, it wasn't actually Chinese medicine, quite interestingly, which no, I never really want the conversation to go, a, to go in a specific direction, but that's what I was expecting this conversation to go. Mm -hmm. I think this was a conversation about the truth, about finding different ways of looking at our current world with optimism, with, uh, with, with positivity, with a, with a reality of, yes, we can make this happen. And by the way, if we can't, there is always a mountain that we can walk up to and be happy there as well. Mm. And I think that was fantastic. It really was quite eye-opening for me. Oh, thank and, you. And, and I, I, I would say to everyone who's listening that if you were in the room, you would feel a tremendous energy that I think is quite enlightening. So I am very grateful that you came to visit and took the trip and really so generously gave us what you know. Oh, well, thank you for having me on your show, Mo. It's a real honor. Thank you so much. Yeah, and for all of you listening, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I think you may benefit actually from going back and like I intend to do listening to it again because as I said in my introduction uh, every minute I spend with Katie I find layers and layers and layers of depth and sometimes it 
takes a while for some of those things to sink in. I definitely have to say one of my big slow-mo moments has been, which I know very well, but I think Katie said it so clearly, where your attention goes, your energy flows, flows right? And I think, I think the truth is, it's actually not easy in the world we're living in today, especially with all of the noise happening around how challenging the upcoming year might be, to direct your attention to the positivity, to the things that you can impact, to the choices that you can make. And so maybe that's a, a very uh, clear invitation for us to do that. At the end of it all, I am very grateful that you join me on those conversations because that's why a wonderful uh, mind and heart like Katie would come and visit and we would have this conversation. So I thank you for that. I invite you to reflect and slow down and find time to think about those things, uh, starting from breathing all the way to your spirituality. And yeah, remember, it doesn't matter really how busy you are today. There's always time to slow down, even if a couple of minutes, as Katie said. Uh, I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.